Welcome back to the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Lovell, back once again here with some thoughts on Friday on a pretty significant milestone for AEW coming out of the buzz surrounding All Out. We've talked about it all week, and the ratings seem to support that there is an unprecedented amount of buzz surrounding AEW as with Wednesday night's edition of Dynamite in Cincinnati, which saw the likes of John Moxley versus Minoru Suzuki. You had Brian Danielson and Adam Cole uh, both back once again for their first appearance on Dynamite after debuting it all out. You had much more CM Punk starting a feud seemingly with Team Taz and so much more. Everything coming out of All Out led to Dynamite earning a pretty significant, uh, again, achievement in their history to this point, which is a little less than two years since the the show started. 1.319 million viewers was the overnight audience, according to uh, Brandon Thurston from WrestleNomics, who we've had on the podcast before. And we're actually going to work on getting Brandon back on here again soon because a lot has changed since we've talked to him a couple months ago with the landscape of wrestling. And the 1.319 million viewers for Dynamite was the second biggest audience in the history of the show thus far. Uh, Viewership up by approximately 272,000 viewers uh, from uh, the overnight audience from last week. Uh, Again, coming off of All Out, everything surrounding that pay-per-view, everything coming out of it, it was wait and see how many people could possibly tune in, how big is the jump. From a viewership standpoint, well, that's what you get there with that number. But the thing that people are talking about in a much bigger sense is that the ratings in the key 18 to 49 demographic, which we've always talked about, um, Dynamite hits a rating of uh, 0.526, which is up from 0.38 in the same demo from the prior week. Now, remember, here's what's big about this. Um, And this is what we're going to be talking about, I think, for the months to come, really is Dynamite in the key demo, when we look at the ratings there, 18 to 49, beat Raw, uh, which was on Labor Day, also something worth noting, a holiday edition of Raw, uh, which Raw had a 0.523. So 0.526 Dynamite, 0.523 for Raw. So that's not a lot, as you can tell, but it is something that is worth pointing out uh, that this was a first for AEW to be able to do this, and now that is going to be uh, something that you're going to hear a lot about, like I said, over the next several months, because um, this is certainly, again, for a show that's only been around less than two years now, I mean, for it to to do what it just did by putting out this kind of number following the pay-per-view, that is something, and I, I know that We've often talked about, you know, everyone likes to really make a lot of the AEW versus WWE stuff and all of that. And to a certain extent, you know, unless you're in the businesses with both of them and on the business side of working for AEW or WWE, it's just it's one of those things that people like to discuss and talk about. But, um, you know, overall, for the average fan, it doesn't mean a whole lot. This is something, though, that that I think is going to be worth discussing as we move forward, because, um, yes, Raw holiday edition, um, you know, obviously you're, you're normally going to average a lower viewership rating uh, and all of that for a holiday edition more than a, a normal week. But still, 
I mean, this is the the bigger thing here is that this is supporting that AEW's growth is not just a one time thing. Like it's not just something that you're gonna see a CM Punk come back, get a huge rating out of that. And then everything's going to go back to 700,000, 800,000, whatever, 900,000 viewers. Um, clearly, you know, adding a Brian Danielson, adding an Adam Cole, everything coming out of All Out being regarded as, again, for a lot of people in recent times, one of the better pay-per-views they've seen. Um, it, it just, it draws that buzz that you need to support this type of viewership and to gain these viewers. And, you know, that's what we've talked about on several podcasts this week about how that was the goal was to once you you make these moves it's great and it's giving you bigger star power but the ultimate goal is can these new additions can everything you're doing with the promotion and your storylines and all these stars you're trying to build can that all equate into bringing in more viewers uh and that's that's what it's about that's how you grow your business uh get more eyeball get more eyeballs on everything and that's what AEW's done here and put up just a, a pretty remarkable number um, coming off of All Out. Now, next week, will the number be the same? Probably not. I, I wouldn't, you know, predict that. I think it will certainly go back down. But how much further down, I think, is is the big point there. Because you start moving that new normal from, like we said earlier, you know, at one point, what was it? It was probably 800,000, 700,000, whatever. Um, but now we've seen gradually that number getting to the height of everything is going up further and further. And then it's dropping back down to where the new normal, you know, is over that 1 million mark. Um, so can you make your new normal 1.1 million, 1.2 million, the more you can do that. And by the way, you've also got things to come here. You've got some big shows you're building towards pay-per-view wise. We know that's going to be full gear in November, but before you get there, you've got the Arthur Ashe stadium show coming up in a couple weeks. Uh, you've got a lot more stuff in the works, seemingly. Um, and so that number, you know, has a chance to keep going up. And on the flip side, WWE now is entering the NFL season. Monday Night Football is back on Monday. And there's no doubt that there's going to be an impact there. How much of an impact? We don't know. But for Raw you know, to be bringing in wherever they're at on a weekly basis, which it fluctuates just like with AEW, um, viewership, key demo rating, all that fluctuates week to week. But, you know, if Raw, if your new normal now is whatever, 1.7, 8, 9 million viewers, um, you know, maybe occasionally you hit that 2 million mark. If that's your new normal and you've got NFL starting back up with big Monday night football games that are going to be the most watched thing on TV on Monday nights, um, you know, how big of an impact, how, how closer does that put you down to AEW's, you know, new mark when it comes to, you know, a, a pretty, uh, average viewership for them or an average in the key demo. Those kind of things are just so fascinating right now. And we've said it before. I brought up the Eric Bischoff example of him talking about on 83 weeks that, you know, he's more fascinated by the business aspect of all this right now. And, and it's hard not to be because it's just, this is a fascinating thing to think about, that there is now a television show, um, which, uh, as we said, too, by the way, let's let's point this out. SmackDown, we know, is drawing the bigger number in WWE. If you're looking at it from what is the biggest show in WWE right now, it's SmackDown, because SmackDown is regularly doing, you know, over 2 million viewers on Fox because it is on, you know, Fox versus USA. There's a difference there, as we know. 
Um, and so that that's a different discussion. And, and I know it's one thing to say, well, you know, AEW may eventually beat Raw, which we don't know when that's going to be. I mean, we, we even did a podcast on this not long ago. Uh, I don't even remember when that was. Probably several months ago, a couple months, something like that. You know, could there come that point where we're t- having this discussion about AEW? And I think we actually may have discussed that with Brandon Thurston when we had him on. It was, you know, could this eventually be something that happens where you see AEW not just beat Raw, perhaps, in the in the 18-49 demographic and have that age group really starting to to buy into everything that AEW is doing, but could you see that from a viewership standpoint, get to that point uh, where that can happen? And I think that's a, it's a very interesting question now, especially coming out of All Out. Can this actually be a possibility to where this happens? And I just, I'm very interested in whether it will. And, um, you know, that's where I think on, on the flip side for Raw, there's a couple different parts of this equation. It's, you know, can AEW continue this momentum? Can it can I, can that next big jump for AW? Let's say, let's just throw a wild scenario out. Let, let's say Bray Wyatt comes into AW, and all of a sudden there's a big storyline or something with him. That's a possibility. Uh, maybe it's you know the the Arthur Ashe Stadium show because they they're going to build up a lot for that. We already know you're getting Cody Rhodes, Malachi Black. More than likely, my guess is you're probably at some point going to announce the Miro Eddie Kingston rematch there, and that's another you know draw for people. Certainly for the local crowd, that's going to be a big match if that happens. Um, there's going to be a lot more. You know, you're probably going to get Brian Danielson's in-ring debut there pretty soon. And probably, a, I would assume, if you're building it up for for a big show, perhaps that's going to be the show that it happens. There, there's a lot of different points that you can look at for AW leading into full gear in November to where maybe they can pop another big rate. Will it be as big as this, you know, 1.3 million? I don't know. But they're now proving that they can get to that point uh, with all the things they're doing. And now it's just keeping that momentum. For Raw, it becomes, you know, how how far do you slide back with the NFL back? And I think it's it's an interesting dynamic to where we've seen Raw kind of get to the point where, like it or not, week in and week out, you know, there's not there people watch Raw like the the numbers show like they get 1.8, 1.9, whatever million viewers, but the overall stigma surrounding Raw right now has not really changed all that much. Um, for however long you pick a pick a time range like it really hasn't changed a whole lot and now once again when you have football coming back on monday nights on espn it's it's going to be something that's um could be a drastic change to where maybe raw slides down further than we thought maybe AEW continues to inch closer and closer and then maybe we are having the discussion of aw dynamite beating raw not only in the key demo uh, perhaps uh, eventually on a regular basis, maybe if it gets to that point. Uh, but also, you know, does it happen with overall viewership? Is that something that's possible um, in that scenario? It's it's going to be easier said than done, as we know, because remember, this is something where you know they did bring in Brian Danielson and Adam Cole. That's again, as we've said with the CM Punk thing, that was a one-time thing. You get that opportunity to bring him back. Now you get that opportunity to bring in you know two active WWE stars to your company on the biggest pay-per-view you've ever done, what's the next thing that's going to be able to jump that up? And are you going to be able to keep those viewers that you've all of a sudden attracted coming off of everything from all out? How many of those viewers can you keep going forward? And then that's going to be the big thing, I think, for AW. But there is a bigger part of the equation for WWE when it comes to, you know, perhaps how do they counter this or, or do they counter this? Or what are their options to counter it? That is a bigger question. And before 
we get into that. Uh, if you don't want to have any problems um, with your own viewership below the waist, go to our friends at Manscaped. Because as we continue to talk about, support for 411 on Wrestling is brought to you by Manscaped. The best in below-the-waist grooming. They're the champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They just launched the fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. They're winning the key demo ratings, if you ask me. Forget the 0.53, 0.52s. We're talking the 4.0 with the lawnmower here. And uh, you can join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code 411wrestling at manscaped.com. And as I've talked about, I'm one of the first people to try this new lawnmower 4.0, blown away by the performance, the craftsmanships, and, and the details. They're all next level on this 4.0. Um, they've engineered the ultimate body trimmer the folks at Manscaped have, and uh, it's just got everything. We keep talking about it. Um, you can be more confident shaving below the waist, the multifunction on-off switch. It's got the travel lock. Um, you've got the upgraded trimmer, which gives you the LED spotlight, the 4000K on-off. You can have a more precise shave with the spotlight. It's even got uh, the wireless charging, which we keep talking about. The new wireless charging system gives you longer battery length, and uh, you can take your time because Manscaped's got you covered. Don't forget, it's also got the additional guard size. It's got the one through four uh, links there with the, the guard sizes. So you've got everything you need with this Lawnmower 4.0. And let's be honest, as we keep saying, you know where I'm going here. If you're still shaving your face and body with the same trimmer, you're doing it wrong. Boost your confidence with the new body trimmer from Manscaped. Um, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code 411wrestling at manscaped.com. Use the best tools for the job, and they come from our friends at Manscaped. 20% off free shipping with the code 411wrestling at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com, and use the code 411wrestling. Unlock your confidence with the new Lawnmower 4.0 from Manscaped. And let's talk about this bigger, perhaps, issue for WWE, which, as we've talked about with the McFoley comments, everything about WWE having a problem right now and perhaps some of the issues with that um, and, and what comes along with it. And part of that is a trust, right? Like it's the trust issues and how do people buy into that? What is the thought process there if you're a talent um, and you're looking at which company can I trust more? But I think perhaps the bigger thing here is, and I want to, you know, give a shout out to, I mentioned him before, you know, John Pollock and Wei Ting at Post Wrestling. They had a really good discussion. I think I've seen other people discussing this too which I find to be a very important part of this, because if we're talking about what does WWE do with Raw to be able to, let's say, get that number with, with Monday Night Football returning to where maybe that number can get back above 2 million regularly. I don't think that's the expectation right now, just based on if you look at the, the most recent numbers with Raw, given that it has been around that 1.8, 1.9 million range, um, those kind of numbers in terms of overall viewership. Um, you know, the key demo and such, as we've said, I mean, you look at the ratings, we just talked about the differences this week in particular with Dynamite and Raw. But I think that the bigger thing is now, what is what can WWE do, right? Like, I think that's, that's a very good question that, that those guys brought up uh, when they discussed it. And I've seen other people mentioning it on Twitter. What, what can WWE do to counter this? Um, you know, they've, they've brought back Brock Lesnar. They brought back Becky Lynch. Um, they brought back Goldberg. They brought back all of these people that quite frankly, you know, aside from the Becky Lynch situation, which is different, 
they brought back the people that they brought back before. You know, it's can you bring Steve Austin back every week? Can you bring Goldberg back every week? Um, you know, I mean, Brock, Brock's going to be back, but he's on SmackDown. Becky's on SmackDown. Uh, if you're looking at it from a Raw standpoint, which they're going to have the draft, and we know this too, the draft's going to be coming up in early October. They're going to have the draft, but but what moves are you making that are going to necessarily change everything for Raw unless you're moving, you know, Roman Reigns? I think that's that's probably it, in my opinion. When you look at it from that standpoint, I think the only significant addition right now you could see from a viewership standpoint is if you move Roman Reigns from SmackDown to Raw. Elsewhere, what are what are the other scenarios? I mean, I guess you, you could move Becky Lynch there, too. I mean, that's certainly a possibility, but... Right there, there's a there's an issue with that, right? Because it's they're the champions on SmackDown. They're the Universal Champion and the SmackDown Women's Champion. Um, so unless you plan on them losing the belts, which I just don't see happening right now, you're probably not moving either one of those. So I don't know necessarily what the and I think this is the 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 corner that WWE has painted themselves into is this is something where. They have gone to the well so many times and bringing back legends time and time again to where it doesn't necessarily feel new anymore. It just feels like the next one in a long line of these moves that they've made. And that's where I think they put themselves in a situation to where it's what can you do to be able to perhaps, you know, fend off AEW's momentum and, you know, stop it unless you're. I, I don't even, I really don't know the answer to that question. And I think it's, it's something to think about. I mean, there is one person out there that we have no doubt that would make a huge significant difference, which by the way, John Cena came back, you know, not too long ago too. But it, again, that's a SmackDown related story. He came on Raw. We saw it that one time. But other than that, you know, it wasn't anything that really did anything for Raw other than just that one week. Now, look, The Rock probably going to come back at some point. Once again, though, for a program with Roman Reigns, which could probably going to be on SmackDown. So th- that's really the only stuff you look at here and think you have a three-hour Raw every Monday, and unless there is a significant change in direction, creative, storylines, all of these things that go along with bringing in viewers, I don't know in the short term what the, the, the solution is for WWE to talk about trying to combat Monday Night Football this season, but not just that, trying to combat, you know, the, all the momentum that is on AEW's side. Like we said, this is where WWE has the advantage of having SmackDown, because SmackDown is still going to continue, I think, as long as you stay on the current course there on Fox. It's only a two-hour show. That helps. That's certainly more helpful than a three-hour show. Um, and it's just as long as you've got, I think, Roman Reigns leading the way there, it's going to be just fine on SmackDown. I don't have many issues about SmackDown. You can you can nitpick certain things that happen on SmackDown. You may not like everything. I don't. I'm sure, you know, I'm not in the same. I mean, there are a lot of people probably feel the same way. There's, there's good, there's bad, as there is on a lot of wrestling shows. But um, from a viewership standpoint and from just the looking at the ratings and all that stuff, I don't really have a lot of concerns necessarily for SmackDown. Raw, though, it's a different question because Raw is facing similar you know, or different challenges, excuse me, um, when it comes to the competition with the NFL and, you know, they're not going head to head with Dynamite, but Raw just continues to, you know, kind of be put in a spot where it just does not feel like there's any forward momentum with Raw on a week to week basis. And that's where I think WWE over time can build that back up, but I don't think there's a short term solution anymore 
for them other than if they just want to go the, the route of doing the Legends Knights and those kind of things, which they've gone to so many times now to where after a certain point, does that, you know, does that nostalgia still hold the same effect when you've done it so many times? And I think that's what's going to be the issue when you keep going back to, you know, the Goldbergs and, um, and a lot of other, you know, people they've used in those spots before. I just think that you're, each time you do it, it, it feels less special, right? Like that's the whole thing, which is what we've talked about with AEW. Bringing back a CM Punk, that's special. Taking Brian Danielson and Adam Cole, two main eventers from the other company, bringing them in, that's special. Perhaps bringing in a Bray Wyatt, like that's a special occasion. Um, now, you know, at some point, it's also about how do you execute on that and keep the momentum going. And that's where I think you have to give AEW credit. Like they've been able to keep that momentum up to where they, Sure, the viewership ratings could dip, you know, every week, every two weeks, whatever, but they've been able to find a way to to keep that interest going up further and further. And now coming off their biggest pay-per-view ever, which is is, you know, once we get the actual numbers, um, it's going to be their biggest pay-per-view of all time. Um, it's it's just a matter of how do you how do you keep it going from there? And I think they've set up a lot of things that make you feel like they're gonna be able to do that. So Perhaps this isn't a one-time discussion we're having here on AW Dynamite, you know, defeating Raw in the ratings, in the demo. Um, maybe this is something that we're going to really be looking at here as we move forward uh, on a consistent basis. And maybe it's something that we may not have thought was going to happen six months ago. But now you're starting to see that that gap is being closed further and further. And as I've said before, this is not a discussion we're having out of saying that WWE is about to go out of business or AEW is going to all of a sudden jump up and start, you know, pulling in 3.7s and all this other stuff. Like, that's not the discussion we're having. We're having it because it is a a pretty key moment in AEW's history. And so it is worth talking about to point out that this is something that a company less than two years in, we haven't seen this scenario sort of play out before since WWE has, you know, had a lack of competition uh, for so many years, you know, at that level, we haven't really seen anyone get to that point that, you know, you felt like, wait a minute, like this could actually be a thing. But now that we're there, um, you have to take notice of it and at least, I think, dive a little deeper into what it could mean moving forward. Uh, and it's going to play out, I think, in a pretty fascinating manner to see here uh, what's next really for both companies. And, you know, is there a response from WWE? If there is, what is that response that's going to be able to work? and really maybe get some momentum going back in Raw's favor, because I, I've always said it, you know, we did a podcast on this too several months ago, just the state of having a three-hour television show every single week is is a challenge in and of itself, but if WWE can't sort of figure that out, which I don't think they've been able to do efficiently uh, at all in recent years, I just don't know how you, what you do, you know, if you don't want this to become a trend where, you know, maybe we're not talking about holiday shows anymore, uh, that are that are losing, you know, in a tiny, slight manner, but it still is something that if you're on the other side of that and you're in AEW, you're gonna pat yourself on the back because you're doing some pretty, pretty special stuff right now, and uh, it's worthy of the credit. I mean, they deserve the credit for being able to do this, and um, but it has made the, the the wrestling world a lot more intriguing right now with where everything is at, and as I've said, that's a good thing. That's a very good thing, and I think it's only gonna 
get better from here in terms of uh, the interest, which is going up as we've seen, uh, and really, you know, just a matter of, of seeing how that how that pendulum continues to swing, and uh, will it continue to swing in AEW's favor? And what does that look like? Not you know next week, but a month from now, three months from now, six months from now. What does that look like? That's what we're gonna wait and find out and see. So uh, there are some thoughts on uh, a big moment for AEW in its history. And uh, hopefully, as we said, a lot more fun stuff coming out of this for both AEW and WWE, uh, because it is a, a really good time to be a wrestling fan. Uh, so much going on, so much really cool stuff when you think about it and, and really where uh, the industry's at right now. You know, Tony Khan mentioned it recently on you know his uh, busted open radio appearance about how you know, if you just look at it from a television industry, an industry standpoint, like TV loves wrestling right now, and why wouldn't they? Uh, based on these deals that, that AEW and WWE are both getting, um, so the interest is great, and hopefully it continues to go in that direction uh, here moving forward. But uh, of course, you can check out everything we've got going on over 41mania.com. Check out all our news uh, columns, reviews; they're all there. As I've continued to, to talk about our YouTube channel, we've got a lot of stuff going on up, up there. And on the previous episodes, we mentioned uh, Steve and I. Going to be starting a nice little uh, series uh, going down memory lane to discuss some of our favorite memories in the history of professional wrestling. Just a lot of sort of random moments, big moments, uh, special stuff like we're talking about here uh, with everything going on with ratings and viewership and all that. Uh, I think we'll have some fun with that and I'll give you a little uh, nostalgia there uh, to uh, continue to, to, to feed uh, that part of your wrestling fandom. Uh, so check out everything we got going over on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel, please. Be sure to share and like, and do all that stuff. Uh, we always appreciate it. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast for one on wrestling. Any podcast app you, you use, leave us a nice five-star rating review. That just helps the show reach more people. And uh, we'll continue to have the link to the GoFundMe for Larry Zonka's family in the show notes. So be sure to continue to share and contribute to that if you can. And uh, everything else, 411mania.com. You can also uh, follow me on Twitter at WrestleBlake. Uh, for more thoughts on all things wrestling. So uh, thanks as always for listening to this episode of the podcast. And uh, we'll talk to you next time here on the 411 on Wrestling Podcast.